Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Lindsay Dablowski of Washington, D.C. Lindsay will win a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show, which happens to be SVU. Me too, girl. To be next week's winner, <laughs> sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Kelly Jones, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories. These are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Law & Order Season 10, Episode 23, Stiff. Mr. Moore admitted injecting his wife with insulin. We have videotape of him doing so. Mrs. Moore allowed herself to be put into insulin shock for their mutual sexual gratification. It's complicated. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and host of Crime Writers On and Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting podcasts, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Little dab will do you, Kevin. How you doing? Uh, good. It's actually, I think it's a little jab will do oh, you. Right. when they Yeah. Damn it, I got it wrong. That's all right. <laughs> Rounding out our panel is our special guest from the Orgasm podcast. <laughs> it's Dr. Kelly Jones. Hello. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Now, can we call you Kelly or do we oh, have to yeah. refer to you oh, as no. Dr. No, no. Jones? <laughs> Just Kelly. Especially in this episode of Law & Order, I don't want doctor anywhere near my name. No. Yeah, doctors Kelly's don't good. come off so good. Yeah. No. Now you get to work with three-time These Other Stories champion Lonnie Diane Rich. Absolutely. Uh, what's it like to work with a legend? Oh, my God, y'all. She's so amazing. Um, so it, it's always, there's still like a little bit of shock and awe. You know, like we've been podcasting together a long time, but every once in a while I'm still like, uh-huh. Oh, my God, I'm doing a show with Lonnie Diane Rich. Um, but she's amazing. She is so much fun. And she loves y'all so much. And she loves the show. So I went and listened to all of her episodes with you guys. And there is no way that I'm going to live up to that bar. So just, like, know that going in. Okay. But, okay, everybody's tuning out right now. I That's what right. I was going to say. And there I, is no way I'm talking about Vincent D'Onofrio. On this show. Oh, I'm absolutely not. No. I am absolutely not talking about Vincent, and I will not pass any kind of quiz that you guys give me on Law and oh. Order. 
So, Kelly, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. Okay, so Lenny Briscoe and whoever's working with Lenny. But I really like Ed Green. So that was I was really mm. happy y'all picked an episode that worked for me. Um, <laughs> but I stopped, I stopped watching the show in 2000. So I have no idea what happens with the teams after that. <laughs> uh, they, they don't uh, live up to the original glory of a Briscoe pairing. Yeah, this uh, is the best one, too. This is also my favorite, by the way. Oh, excellent. And Kelly, who's your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. Anyone working with Abby Carmichael. Oh, okay. (laughs) I love Angie Harmon so much. So she's my favorite, and anybody paired with her is fine. Although I do like Adam Schiff a lot. Yeah. But for me, the prosecution is all about Abby Carmichael. And so anybody connected to her, so I guess that's McCoy? It has to be McCoy. Yeah. There's only McCoy. Yeah, there's just McCoy. (laughs) All right, now let's look at the first half of this episode, Law & Order Season 10, Episode 23. Stiff. Into the lobby and out the door comes Mr. David Moore. He's carrying Mrs. Moore, who has fallen into a coma. The ER doctor, who is so mad he has to work the day shift, (laughs) says that they found a fresh needle mark in her rear end. So, how did it get there? What we have is severe hypoglycemic shock. Low blood sugar? Her blood came back positive for massive amounts of insulin. That's what lowered her glucose and put her into shock. Insulin, so that explains the needle mark. Yeah, we have the insulin tested. It's synthetic insulin, used to treat diabetes. Okay, so she's diabetic, she makes a mistake. I don't think she's diabetic. If she's not diabetic, why would Mrs. Moore be using insulin? Briscoe and Green find she was reading self-help books, so there must have been something wrong with her. (laughs) A trail of credit card receipts leads them to Dr. Shipman, a neurologist who gave her a drug to hide the symptoms of her Parkinson's disease. David Moore admits he knew about the Parkinson's and gave her the insulin to help her commit suicide. No one in their friend group is a registered diabetic, which uh, I wasn't aware you had to register for. So where did that insulin come from? A friend had been busted by customs trying to smuggle large quantities of insulin into the country. Why? Well, let's go to the sex tape. The Moors were part of a group of swingers that would knock out their partners with insulin for a kink called necrophilia without tears. Okay, a lot to unpack here, but who doesn't love Abbott and Costello, the doorman and the handyman in this fancy apartment building? Got those two. Not only are like the quintessential cold open characters, right? But they are such busy bodies during this episode. I love it. Uh, Now, these two, they get along all right? Yeah, sure. Better than the first husband. Mr. Mason, what a pain that guy was. Yeah, what happened to him? (laughs) She kicked him out about 10 years ago. But she kept the co-op. Why not? She paid for it. Whole floor, park and Riverview, family money, you know. The doorman and the janitor literally tell the cops, like, they throw discretion out the window and they tell them everything about this family, everything about the new husband. They just don't give a shit about privacy at all. And I am here for it. I love it. Oh, I love it. They had everything on her from, like, her money to her ex to her dinner parties <laughs> like damn (laughs) this poor woman gets she gets no lines and she gets no privacy and everyone in her life is sketchy like really bad for her so mr moore basically changes his story about what happened every damn time someone talks to him 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, that's OK. That's a thing you're allowed to do, apparently. I, I guess yeah. if you don't mind, you know, getting looked at funny by the police. Well, we know he's really into games. Right. So I mm-hmm. figured he had like a stack of like story cards and he'd be like, OK, 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 <laughs> let's try this one. <laughs> right. So he like pulls attempted suicide out. He's like, OK, OK, sounds good. And then it's like, no, no, wait, wait, sex games. Yeah, okay, let's go with that. Let's go with that. (laughs) And apparently they're totally fine with rich people lying to them on a regular basis. The thing that really amazes me about uh, Mr. Moore is that not only does his story change, but the stories uh, from people about him change. Mm -hmm. Like with the first time they go to talk to the daughter earlier in the episode, um, she's daughter describes him as, oh, he's very controlling. And then she talks about that like that's not a problem at all. He would never hurt my mom. I'm like, oh. I don't know. Isn't being very controlling kind of a shitty way to be in a relationship? (laughs) I don't know. Don't say that. Don't say that. (laughs) Well, and I love how the daughter, first of all, that daughter was like suspicious, dirty, like the the serious face acting when she first came on screen. I was like, oh, no, she totally did it. Um, but, But she's like, oh, they had a great relationship. But. I love when they talk to the butler Mm. and he's like, she wanted to make her life better. What was wrong with it? Nothing was wrong with it. She might have been a little tired. That's all. Depressed? No, no. She just lied in bed looking at the ceiling like she was stuck. Oh, Mrs. Moore was not depressed. She just stared at the ceiling and couldn't move, but she was fine. (laughs) She was fine. (laughs) That was one of the strangest performances I've ever seen on this show. Like, he had an accent that he would go in and out of, like, Mm -hmm. mid-sentence. Sometimes I'd be like, are you supposed to be British? Are you supposed to be Latina? What are you you doing? It sounds kind of like a Russian or something. Yeah, and then he would just say a whole sentence with no accent at all. It was very weird. Well, and then he he tells them basically everything. And then they ask him (laughs) why she had to switch, switch doctors. And he goes... I don't know such things. And I was like, sugar, you knew everything else. Like, come on. How come they didn't even ask him if he stabbed her with the uh, the needle? I mean, the butler does it, right? So we have some real peak Lenny Briscoe quips. A little jab will do you. So what do we do? Slip a Twinkie in their salad and see if they go into sugar shock? Maybe I should call my attorney. Hey, you can call a sugar plump fairy for all we care. This is going very well. Oh, that one is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, that one so, is my favorite, too. This is going yeah. so well. This is going <laughs> very well. <laughs> so unlike Logan or Curtis, Ed Green, like, cracks up at these things. Like, we see him reacting to that. Yeah, I like to think it's actually just Jesse L. Martin. Yep. Who, as you know, is a theater person and is just mm-hmm. so delighted you know to work with a veteran theater person that he just can't like keep in character when these things happen that's what i like to think is happening what i like to think is happening kelly is that both logan and ray were just too uptight and when briscoe would drop one of these they're just kind of like yeah uh (laughs) uh-huh and and ed green's a little more okay man that was really funny he's cool yeah 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 he's he's finding the joy in his work it's great. In the murder work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because Briscoe sparks joy for yeah. him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have a Hey, It's That Guy. Hmm. Hey, it's that guy. Uh, who is the actor playing David Moore? Whatever she might have taken, they'll find, so there's no sense in pretending. Joan is not a drug addict. These questions are ridiculous. Kelly, do you know? Um, No, I don't. 
Yeah, he is definitely a hey, it's that guy who I recognize as a hey, it's that guy and had the restraint to not look up and find out. So tell me, Kevin. You don't actually know? I don't know his name. Who is that hey, it's that guy? That's David Dukes. Mm. Not David Duke. That's right. That's a whole other actor. (laughs) Uh, David Duke supporting actor Emmy nominee for the Josephine Baker story. Mm -hmm. Uh, After being on the miniseries The Winds of War, he did a bunch of guest stints through the uh, the 80s and 90s. He was on The Mommies and Sisters and a bunch of TV movies. He was the would-be rapist of Edith Bunker on that controversial All in the Family episode. Really? Yeah. That is fascinating. Which I think she got away by throwing hot soup on him or something. She did. Something like that, right? She did. Um, and it was very controversial. It was, it was you know, aired to dispel the, the myth that naughty girls are ones that get raped. Right. Someone like Edith Bunker would never be sexually assaulted. Right, right. right. Uh, he also had an important turn as Joseph McPhee on... Anyone? Say it. Just da- say it. Dawson's Creek. That's right. <laughs> you knew? I just wanted you to oh, say it. Oh, <laughs> I didn't say Dawson's Creek. Joey, Joey's dad, right? Right. Yeah. Good. Well, I have to say something about this. Yeah. So while I did not say, I did not look up uh, David Jukes on IMDb, I did write down on my notes here, special guest stars and David Dukes being the first one. Right. One, because all I could think of was, if I was an actor and that was my name, I would fucking change it. Sorry. Why? It's just like David Duke? Jesus. Well, he had it first. (laughs) Second, I was just thinking about the fact that we don't see that anymore. Like in SVU and like later Law and Orders, there is no the special guest star credit thing is so of a certain time and that time is gone by us and it's interesting to me to see that there it's like they're tipping their hand I think Rebecca is saying Kelly that David Dukes is not special <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me I think he I think he channeled his inner rich entitled white guy very well I think he did the patriarchy proud <laughs> no absolutely so waspy yeah. so waspy <laughs> Uh, five months after this episode aired, David Dukes died in October 2000 while filming the Stephen King miniseries Red Rose. Oh, oh no! And I remember, yeah, I remember it, it was uh, it was just like three episodes uh, that he was he was in. Actually, I just think it was a three part movie thing, and they killed off his character in some like weird way, mm. where you see him. Somebody was uh, uh, like running through the property of the Red Rose Mansion that's haunted and. He's chasing the person, but he dies some way. You don't ever see how he dies. It was just, it, it was very clunky. Hmm. A little bit like Captain Pike on the original Star Wars, where they just like said he Star died. Trek. And then uh, on the original Star Trek, where they just like said he died. And then later you saw him like in a box with like a different <laughs> actor playing him <laughs> with like a disfigured head. Kind of like that. Kind of clunky like that. Well, I think the actor actually died yeah, here. It's so. sad. It's yeah. really sad. I'm I'm kind of bummed out that I made that earlier David Duke joke now. <laughs> That's not like the audience for the show doesn't know I'm terrible, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel bad for calling him the patriarchy's poster boy now. <laughs> That's all right. He can't sue you. That's he, the good he news. He didn't live to see these times, so he's not at all, he's not at all upset. Uh, we also get to see someone before they were famous. Before they were so who's that silver fox playing Dr. <laughs> Shipman? Kelly, go. This is John Slattery, Howard Stark in the yes. MCU movie, proving that he can play the part of an asshole in anything that he plays. 
<laughs> Mostly she was concerned with preserving her dignity. She didn't want anybody to know she had Parkinson's. She kept asking for more powerful drugs to hide the symptoms. So this is the second of John Slattery's two Law & Order appearances. He's had a long career as a character actor on TV. He was in Homefront, Ed, Sex in the City, uh, Desperate Housewives, and then he made uh, his uh, his big role as Roger Sterling in Mad Men. Meow. Hmm. You like you some Silver Fox. I do. I remember when I saw John Slattery in New York and you kept telling me I wasn't seeing John Wait, Slattery. <laughs> we saw, I saw, because I'm not going to even give you credit for the sighting because you refused to believe it was him. We saw, a.k.a. I saw, John Slattery on Fifth Avenue in New York jogging. Uh-huh. And you kept saying, that's not John Slattery. I'm like, it is. You know how I know? Because he's gorgeous. It was totally John Slattery. <laughs> well, if he was jogging, he couldn't have been there long enough for me to, quote unquote, keep saying that's not him. <laughs> I might have said that wasn't him. <laughs> Here, I have a little fun fact about John Slattery. Are you ready? Yes. He is the nephew-in-law of, you take that drink because I don't want you spitting it out on me. Okay. He is the nephew-in-law of TV dad and dog food merchant Dick Van Patten. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for warning me about that. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I hope they have Thanksgiving and they say, oh, uh, look at, I, I don't know if we can all fit at this table. Eight is enough. <laughs> okay, so who the fuck smuggles insulin? <laughs> I mean, okay, okay, Kevin, seriously. I, I literally wrote that in my notes. <laughs> who the fuck smuggles insulin? Like, what? And better yet, who the fuck is training a dog to sniff out insulin? Insulin. Like, go through the bag. Go, come on, Duke. Go find it. Oh, he's. Yeah. What the fuck? I was like, how bored do you have to be? Like, seriously, how? Are you, this yeah. is what you're going to smuggle? Like, really? I mean, I, I know the price has gone up, but right. I mean, it's 2000 But the real question is this. The guy who was smuggling insulin was a doctor, correct? Yeah. Wouldn't it just yeah. be easier to write a fake script for someone and go pick it up at the drugstore? I, th I would think so. <laughs> or pretend all of those women were diabetics and write them all prescriptions. <laughs> sure, but then they'd have to get registered. So when they uh, finally arrest Mr. Moore and he's he's having brunch with Mr. Stokes at like Tavern on the Green or something like that, right? Did you get up? What? You're under arrest for the attempted murder of your wife. From now on, it's bologna sandwiches for you. You have the right to remain down. We might just be back. Yeah, and they leave the other guy who was also doing the same exact thing. At the table? Well, his wife's still breathing. <laughs> She's still upright. And shopping. And shopping. It was such a typical like Law & Order scene, right? They go to interview in her hotel where she's you know, apparently brought everything in her home, including the VHS tapes yeah. of her friend's sexual fetish. But she had to buy a VCR. They didn't have one in the hotel. <laughs> With <your> Barney's bag. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did really get a kick out of her telling Lenny, though, when he was like, Try us. We've been around the block a few hundred times. I doubt that you've been in this neighborhood. Yeah, because, like, really? Really? <laughs> Hold on to your granny panties. <laughs> now, when she finds out that the real story behind the injection is this necrophilia fantasy, <laughs> Carmichael says, Oh, gross. 
gross. Oh, gross. That is the best moment, I think, of almost any episode that we have ever talked about on the show. And it is the reason why I love Abby Carmichael so much because unlike all the other scenes we get in the show where people are forced to watch sex tapes and nobody can ever watch nobody can ever look at the pornography even though it's your job yes. she looks at it and she's basically our greek chorus Ugh, gross <laughs> so great yeah she was all in until then david duke showed his ass <laughs> but here's my question about these tapes right so they go to talk to mrs stokes and now, like, I think of, of Dr. Stokes as, like, the super creepy psychiatrist with, like, the gloves and the plants. But they go mm -hmm. to talk to his mm -hmm. wife, and she's at a hotel for a week because she needed to get away from right. him. But she brought the VHS sex tapes with her? <laughs> like, what? Yep. <laughs> I can't leave these lying around. <laughs> I might want some inspiration. That's right. How, how sexy is it to, like, watch a sex tape? Of your friend who's in a coma. <laughs> You're like, oh, wow. Aww. Now she's really not going to move. Uh, uh. Oh, no. What the hell? I mean, the Morris and their friend. How, how do you know that the friends in your circle are in this? <laughs> how do you ask the question <laughs> yeah. the first time? You're like, uh, <clears throat> did anyone see that article in the New Yorker about necrophilia? Mm -hmm. Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> You're asking like a really important fundamental question that I think about all the time, but I usually think about it with regard to certain sports. Yeah. Like whenever we watch ski jumping in the Olympics, I'm like, how do you do that for the first time? Very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> and this is just like that. It's like, how for the first time do you say to your wife, honey, I've got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pretend you're dead. <laughs> Yeah, you know, if you want to have sex with someone who just lies there, just wait till your 10th anniversary like the rest of us. Oh. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. All right, now let's look at the second half of this episode. Who has the dead person fuck fantasy? David Moore says, I do, I do. Two million dollars bail. You yank his passport. All because he likes to play naughty games with his wife. That and lying to us. Oh, and did I mention trying to murder her? There was no such attempt, no such intent. It was just a horrible accident. I swear to you, I had no idea that Joan had Parkinson's. You know, Mr. Moore, I liked you better when you were helping your wife commit suicide. <laughs> well, they have video proof that his wife was a willing participant, and he's able to defend himself with her considerable fortune. That's when Mr. McCoy suggests to daughter Debbie Mason that she moved to be her mother's new power of attorney, giving her control of the purse strings. That's when Carmichael learns that Debbie has been hurting for cash because her mother stopped investing in her failing book business, which the rest of us call publishing. <laughs> uh, it's an instant leap to maybe stepdad and daughter are boinking and conspiring to kill mom. 
Somehow, that's grounds for a warrant of Debbie's office where Green finds a tiny, tiny plastic bag with something terribly incriminating. (laughs) The lab says the substance was a mysterious drug called MPTP. Mixed with insulin, it causes Parkinson-like symptoms and could have put her in a coma. Where would Debbie get such a drug? Dr. Shipman had done research on MPTP. He also met Debbie at a conference before Mrs. Moore's symptoms developed. Maybe they both wanted Mrs. Moore's money. Shipman says Debbie might have stolen the MPTP from his office after hours. It doesn't look like there's anyone they can really prosecute for this attempted murder. That's when the sassy pathologist says, hey, she might not be in a coma at all. She might be frozen and understands everything that's going on around her, including the sponge baths, and that she can be awakened with a drug called L-Dopa. Well, waking her up is one sure way of figuring out what the fuck is going on here. (laughs) Before they can administer the dose, Dr. Shipman admits that Debbie didn't want to drug her mom anymore, but a deal's a deal. (laughs) He gave her the dose that put her in the coma. At the hospital, they give the woman an injection of L-Dopa, but it doesn't revive her from the coma. Well, not only are Lenny's one-liners good, but we also get to see Abby Carmichael's sass turned way up to 11. It's a suicide. It's an accident. It's a breath mint. This guy gives me a headache. That was also, by the way, that whole explanation of, like, listen to how complicated that was, what you just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, Abby Carmichael is just not having it with any of these fucking people. Like, she can't even... This whole episode, I love it. I love her saying, it's a suicide. It's an accident. It's a breath mint. This guy gives me a headache. (laughs) 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 It was a great line. Absolutely great line. She also did a really good job Googling in this episode. What are you doing? I'm going to where anyone who wants to poison their neighbor goes to first these days. Yeah or not? Like she's like sitting there on the computer. I mean, it's it's two thousand. There's there's no Google. She was okay. using Alta Vista. That, she doesn't really. <laughs> she asks Jeeves. Interneting on this episode. <laughs> well, Jack is just sitting there with a pile of paper, mm-hmm. randomly just turning pages. By the way, didn't they even like look at this woman's financials before they arrested her? Is that usually how right? it works? Well, <laughs> right. They seem to have a lot backwards. Yeah, but how do you put forth a business plan that is, I will produce one glossy, overpriced coffee table book a month. I mean, a year. I mean, one a year. Yes. Because that's the productivity level that I am shooting for. So, like, how do you get paid to do that? (laughs) Can we just talk, too, about, like, the dated nature of coffee table books? Like, that... (laughs) Like, I look at my coffee table right now and I'm like, I don't want a fucking giant book on my coffee table. I want to just be able to put my feet at my coffee table. Rebecca, people that inject their spouses with <laughs> insulin to have necrophiliatic sex with them enjoy <laughs> coffee table books. In fact, there may be a coffee table book called The Cinderella Company. Oh, I think that Madonna made that one, right? Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sleeping Beauty. It comes in a Mylar bag. <laughs> Page after page of people being very still. (laughs) (laughs) It's not one that makes for a good gif. No, it really doesn't. Well, they make this pivot to assume that the daughter and stepdad are having an affair for, like, no reason. (laughs) Well, what a cozy little family this is turning out to be. 
Once you're into necrophilia, incest doesn't seem so bad. It's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a reason. They had like four minutes to fill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> every, every The whole second half of this episode was like plot twist, plot twist, plot twist, plot twist, plot twist. But none of them were twists. It was just still the same three people over and over and over again. Yeah, I like McCoy's statement that is, you know, once you're into necrophilia, incest doesn't seem so bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's when they said, we need to get SVU on the air stat. But it's also not incest, right? Because it's a stepdad. Yeah, it's true. But yeah. I have to say, I did think this Why whole episode- fa- They don't let facts get in the way of a good story. It's though. true. But I did think this whole episode, because this was like a lot of like sexual components to this story- I just kept thinking when we watching this, how differently SVU would have treated it than this did. Like- the sex stuff was just yeah, they would have like, watched the tape without pissing and moaning. No, about it. the SVU they would not have watched the tape. They would be like, I can't watch this. <laughs> and in this one they actually watched it, but like in this one it was just like the the sex fetish was just like a thing that was happening. And in SVU, you know Olivia Benson would have been like, Technically she's unconscious, so she did not consent, so that is a crime. <laughs> Even though you literally watch them put the needle in and then there would be a whole extrajudicial hearing about it. Yeah. It's just treated very differently here. So they're searching Debbie's office and Green is in the background and he picks up a wired trash can. He peers through it, right? He doesn't put his hand in and rummage around all those crumpled up papers and he puts it back down and he sees a tiny plastic bag on the floor and says, aha! What's this? I'm betting it ain't sweet and low. I don't know what it is. It's nothing. Really? Have some. Yes, that was some A, excellent detectiving. But B, the way to get your person to confess that there's something nefarious in that bag is to say, here, taste it. <laughs> like, no, like, who would like ever taste something out of the trash? I mean, she wouldn't taste it because it was in the trash. Yeah. Not necessarily because it was something bad, right? She didn't want it anymore. That's why it was in the trash. <laughs> but like, is that really where you throw that away? Like you go and you poison your mother and you put the little packet in your purse and then carry it back to your office. Bring it to work. Yeah. And like bring yeah. your crime to work day and then you drop it. in. The... <laughs> like what in the world? It makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, it, eat it. I mean, if it were anything, it was probably cocaine. <laughs> right? You're like, oh, I'll just rub it around on my gums. Let, 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 me, let me just play this yeah. out, Kevin. Right. Even if best case scenario, even if it was a bag that had held potato chips and then what's in there is just like delicious potato chip crumbs, mm-hmm. would you still eat it when someone <laughs> pulled it out of the trash? You would not. Do that. No. It's like you take me to jail instead. Thank you, officer. And that was officer. the litmus test. She must be guilty. Yeah. She must be. I think we got this warrant. <laughs> Judge signed off on this nonsense. Okay, so pathologist Elizabeth Rogers cannot get the puss off her face for the whole episode. Mm. She can't. And uh, nor can the show really accurately calculate how long a phone call actually takes in this episode, which is my favorite Law and Order tropes. When Van Buren picks up the phone and she's like, hello? Okay, yes, we'll be right there. And then hangs up and then explains, uh, Emmy Elizabeth Rogers has something that she needs to tell us. She says it's important. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly, I don't get it. Why can't they just talk on the phone? Why do the three of them have to get into a car and go down to Emmy's office to find out? I've been consulting with Johns Hopkins and UCLA about MPTP-induced comas. What they've told me makes my hair stand on end. Hey, you know, I just deal with dead people, but I heard from somebody in California that 
she might not even be in a coma. <laughs> and I'm really upset by it. Because then we wouldn't see her face and we wouldn't understand how pissed off she really is. So why is she the go-to on every medical condition in the world? Who? Rogers. <laughs> they don't ask about one dead body. They're like, oh, what about what do you know about Parkinson? That's a good point. It's an excellent point, Kevin. So yeah, so it, but you know, it's the point is that she might not be in a coma at all. She's frozen. Yeah, she's serpent in the rainbow right now. Yeah. She's doing what? You know, remember we serpent in the rainbow? Remember that movie, Dr. Kelly? Mm-mm. I haven't seen that movie. So there's a super creepy movie in the 80s called Serpent in the Rainbow, which was about like uh, oh, voodoo stuff and yeah. like comas and burying people alive. Oh, God, it's like no, a drug no, that you put them under no. and they're, like they're dead. Uh-uh. You don't remember that? I would that? not have watched it. No. No, I would never have watched it. Or I never watched dispensable movies, but I do remember watching that one on TV when I was a kid. Uh-uh. And that's all I could think about when I watched this episode was that stupid movie. I... And she's there frozen? Yes. Like looking out? I would Seeing not. all the people walking by? Yes. No, no. Uh, just lying there as her daughter comes and rolls her over and wipes her bum and stuff like we see yeah. her do in this episode. No. The other funny thing about this episode is that like all the things they talk about, which I know are real things because you kept saying to me, oh, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. That's a real yeah. thing. Like the drug MBTP. MPTP. MPTP. Super awkward. Yeah. No one has to say real it a million drug. times. Yep. And then the drug L-DOPA. Super stupid sounding name. Yeah. But real drug that everyone has to say all the yeah. time. And then also this condition. She's clinically frozen frozen <laughs> sounds so stupid what would you call that doctor uh, frozen <laughs> she's we have to reboot her just unplug her and plug her back, back in. in it'll be That's fine it. i mean did anybody walk in the room and ask her if she wanted to build a snowman because that might have woken her up yeah jeez. <laughs> you know kelly i'm thinking that if she really were frozen and a and awake you know awake wouldn't she be like really mad that no one's coming over to have sex with her? <laughs> well, yeah, especially if it's a contest, right? Because she like, look, I'm going to win. Like nobody can beat me right now. Come on. <laughs> okay, so it's never really made clear why the doctor wants in on this plan, I don't think. It's also never made clear like why it's important that she has Parkinson's. It's also never made clear well, why the judge has the mustache. No, no, no. There's a lot of things like that never are made clear in this episode. Right. Well, she never actually had Parkinson's, right? Wait. Oh, the drug, right. the right. MPTP made it look like she was ha- she had Parkinson's because so the, husband- the doctor and the daughter were slowly poisoning her. I see. And then the daughter got cold feet, but the doctor still said, we got to go through with it. So I'm going to ask you to explain something to yeah. me right now because I still don't understand this. So in the first interview with Mr. Moore, he says, I didn't know my wife had Parkinson's. And in the second interview, he says, I knew she had Parkinson's and I wanted to help her kill herself. Right. Did he or didn't he think she had Parkinson's disease? Well, we don't fuck. He keeps lying about everything. <laughs> but but she, Mrs. Moore thought she had Parkinson's. Yeah, and he just knew that she was like staying still and staring at the ceiling. So the why didn't matter that much to him. He's just like, oh, hot damn. Now we can do yeah. this without the insulin. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I got you all the self-help books you wanted. So we're good, right? Totally good. Totally good. Now we have sort of the race to the finish of the story and it's. Should Dr. Shipman make a plea before they wake up Sleeping Beauty? Hmm. What about the odds of her dying, Doctor? Maybe not today, maybe not this month, but she will. And when she does, I'll be coming back at you with a murder charge. No pleas, no deals. And what if she ends up psychotic? What kind of witness will she make? Doctor, you haven't seen the addicts who are treated with L-Dopa. I have. 
They don't show very well. I've seen just about every shade of grotesque behavior in this case, Dr. Shipman, but yours takes the cake. Attempt murder two, eight and a third to 25, or we're out of here. Did you find yourself wondering if he should take the deal or he should take his chances? Uh, yes. <laughs> what did you think? Well, I mean, what was, not, not knowing how it ends, but what would you have told Here's my to? whole thing. Why would you confess to a crime like that when the cops didn't, can't even figure out who's been doing it, who did the crime for like all this time? They're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And they basically told you they just have a theory and here's your chance to confess because when she wakes up, we'll learn anything. Because if she wakes up, he could just say, yeah, that's not true. I didn't do that. Right. Like, to me, like, why would you do that? Yeah, and Kelly, he's already saying, you know, when they wake up, they become psychotic. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not bullshitting. No. They do. So when are you going to like, hey, you know, if she wakes up at all, I still feel like I'm in a good position. Yeah, I, I, I would have thought he'd have taken his chances because in the time it took her to wake up, he could have invented at least seven more stories and found like 15 more doctors to blame. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, maybe he was just bored by the whole thing or like ready to move move on to his next role or I don't know. But yeah, I was like, really? Everyone in this episode from like the butler to the daughter to the doctor's wife, they all had a very strong need to confess. (laughs) They're all confessing to the wrong thing. It's true. They are because they want to keep some secret, but all the secrets end up being really stupid. That's the thing. They all end up being stupid. (laughs) Stupid secrets. (laughs) Except for the sex fetish one. That one wasn't stupid. (laughs) I would have kept that shit secret too. (laughs) Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Well, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the Headlines. This episode takes plot points from the story of Sonny Von Bulow, born Martha Crawford in 1932. The daughter of a utilities magnate inherited $100 million upon her father's death. Sonny, as she was known, married an Austrian prince who had two children with him. After their divorce, she married Danish socialite Klaus von Bülow in 1966. After twice being hospitalised for hyperglycemia, Sonny was discovered unconscious on the bathroom floor near Christmas 1980. The incident left her in a permanent vegetative state. Sonny's children became suspicious that Klaus may have injected Sonny with insulin to bring on the coma. The prosecution's key evidence was a syringe that contained traces of insulin. Klaus was convicted of attempted murder. Klaus hired Alan Dershowitz, who got the conviction overturned. 
At the second trial, it was shown there was insulin on the outside, but not on the inside of the needle. Experts testified the drugs that caused her coma were ingested and not injected. The jury acquitted Klaus. Sonny Von Bulow remained in a coma for 28 more years. She died in a New York nursing home in December 2008. Did you know that Sonny Von Bulow lasted, lived that long after the incident? I did because the Sonny Von Bulow, Klaus Von Bulow case is at the center of one of my all-time favorite movies, Reversal of Fortune, mm-hmm. which is one of the all-time greatest legal movies movie, yep. of all time, in which Ron Silver plays Alan Dershowitz so well that for many years after that, whenever I would see Ron Silver in anything else, I'd be like, oh, why is Alan Dershowitz in right. this movie? Well, we are going to talk about that in a sec, but what does your gut tell you about this case, Kelly, that this was self-inflicted or this is with at the hand of someone else? Um, it sounds like it was at the hands of someone else, but (laughs) I don't know. Um, (laughs) well, there's one moment in this episode, which is directly reflective of the real case. And I loved it. I picked up on it because when it was very complicated legally, how they were able to get the overturned verdict, they had to Mm. go to like the Supreme Court of the state of Rhode Island and they had to basically convince them that new evidence could be used to overturn a conviction, which was like not a thing, I guess, something Mm -hmm. like that. And it was because the maid in the Von Bulow house testified at the first trial. She she found the insulin needle and she said, "Uh, insulin for what? My lady is not diabetic, which was a line in this episode that the weird butler with the weird accent said. (laughs) My lady is not diabetic. Right, because the the real real maid was Latina, Uh like Uh in the real story. So basically, Alan Dershowitz figures out the maid said that, and that was her testimony, but the insulin needle was inside Klaus Von Bulow's uh, toiletry bag. So why would she assume that the needle belonged to my lady? Oh. That was the super interesting twist in the case. I don't know. I find that super interesting. If you actually know anything about the case, which I do, because I've gone down many Klaus and Sonny Von Bulow rabbit holes. This was a, a really messed up situation where Sonny Von Bulow also took like a bunch of opioids and other oh, drugs like, yeah. all the time. There are lots of things that could have put her in a coma. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Kelly, these trials and appeals had tons of celebrity witnesses like Truman Capote and Johnny Carson's ex-wife. They all witnessed Sonny's uh, substance abuse. And uh, Alan Dershowitz was on the appellate team with his law students, as Rebecca recalls from the movie. <laughs> do, you, do you know... Who was among those law students? I don't. One of them was Jim Cramer, the crazy guy from Mad Money on CNBC. <laughs> and runs around, ah, sell, and hits a big red button. And Yeah, see, he, he also later wrote that he thought the guy was, quote, supremely guilty. <laughs> Way to go. But that doesn't matter, right? That's the huh. whole point of reversal of fortune. That's the whole point of this thing. And like, and and whatever we think about Alan Dershowitz now, like his whole point has always been like everybody deserves the best defense, right? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> Even the people we hate. Even if it costs a lot, a lot of money. Sunny <laughs> uh, was hospitalized three weeks before her coma for having ingested seventy three aspirin. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Do you believe that she could have swallowed an entire bottle of aspirin against her will? Nope. No. Is that a real question? That's a real question. <laughs> and, and it was sort of like, okay, well, is she, you know, is she the kind of person who would abuse substances to the point where it would be super dangerous? Right. You know, and as a 
it doesn't mean that she couldn't have been injected against her will, right. but it, it kind of shows a pattern. Right. She had, I think, a documented pattern of suicidal ideation and she had had several suicide attempts. And so I think that like at one point it was like, did she inject, inject herself with insulin or whatever? But I mean, there's a lot of stuff going in in that little tiny waspy body of Sonny Von Bulos. So do you think that's why they like hit the gong so hard about Joan never taking drugs and never <laughs> taking like she was the a very quiet woman who probably ironed her underwear like she would never take any kind of <laughs> yeah. drugs unless it's insulin to pretend like she's dead. But other than that, like nothing. <laughs> that was- yeah. yeah, she was straight laced. So daughter Cosima believed her father which made Sonny's mother, the grandmother, disinherit her. Hmm. So to resolve it, Klaus von Bülow agreed to divorce his comatose wife hmm. and relinquish any claim to her fortune. So in exchange, uh, Kasima got her one-third share, which was about $3 million. Hmm. Uh, Kelly, rich people just have different problems. Than I think do. so. I think so. <laughs> I do. I think that, that, you know, you get, you have all this money and you have nothing to do and you have like, a VCR and a camera and like a hankering to spice up your sex life by knocking someone <laughs> unconscious and like what do you what do you do with your time you know like <laughs> I don't know man I don't know so Rebecca you talk about the movie Reversal of Fortune yes there are so many future Law and Order universe guest stars in this yes Jeremy Irons yes Ron Silver yes Fisher Stevens mm-hmm. Lisa Gay Hamilton mm-hmm. Johan Carlo mm-hmm. Julie Haggerty Mm-hmm. Gordon Joseph Weiss, Keith Redden, Stephen Mailer. We had Hey, It's That Guys, including Jack Gilpin, Christine Baranski, and Bill Camp. Mm. Annabella Sciorro was a lead on Criminal Intent yep. for a whole season. She was Logan's partner. And, of course, we had real-life Law & Order actor, soon-to-be college admission scandal convict Felicity Huffman. That's right. In the role that I actually think of her from more than any other. I'm going to be real. I know Felicity Huffman was in Desperate Housewives. I know she was in Sports Night. I know people know her from all these other things. Every time I see her, I'm like, oh, she was Alan Dershowitz's law student in this movie. I mean, that's how good of a movie it is. Guys, if you haven't seen this movie, I'm telling you, look for it, watch it. It's great. Well, that's going to do it for us. <laughs> Rebecca's starting a new podcast called Reversal of Fortune. Podcast. <laughs> uh, but I want to say thank you to our guest, Dr. Kelly Jones. Dr. Jones. I just wanted to say it like that. <laughs> no time for love, Dr. Jones. Oh, don't uh, do that. Wakey, wakey. Uh, Dr. Jones, where can our listeners follow you online? So I am on Twitter at Dr. Kelly Jones, and all of our podcasts are available at Chipperish and at Chipperish.com. And can I just make a plug for one of the podcasts that Kevin did not mention in Dr. Jones's intro, which is the amazing podcast, Big Strong Yes, with uh, Dr. Kelly and Lonnie Diana Rich, which was how I first got to know Dr. Kelly Aww. Jones. It is so wonderful to listen to it and so inspiring. I loved that Thank show. You. Then no need to follow Rebecca on Twitter. But you can track <laughs> me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. And you can find me at Rebel Boy. <laughs> you can tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoie. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. Join our Patreon to get exclusive content at patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. 
Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crimes. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Other Stories was recorded in the Yoga Loft above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio. And is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.